everyone, and welcome to another episode of Two-Headed Game Master. I'm Cosmo, the first head. I'm Dane, the runaway head. Or the super runaway head. Super runaway there from is. Venture Brothers. Um, Two-Headed Game Master is a podcast about writing, designing, running, playing, and role... Uh, running, writing. Wow. This is the worst I've ever done it. Writing, designing, running, and playing role-playing games, where we discuss our favorite hobby, share our thoughts with you, and play some games sometimes. You slid me the card, and I was like, maybe I don't even need the card anymore. It's just part of the ritual. And as soon as I thought that this time, I fucked it up real bad. Anyway, what are we talking about this time? Well, we have a question. Uh, Why always is it... Oh, wait. I wrote it. (laughs) I wrote it wrong. Well... I mean, I wrote it here, but then I wrote it differently on the Google Drive. I was making the joke. Why always with the fighting to the death? Why always with the fighting to the death? Yes, that's the question. That's a good Um, question. So you might have noticed in your role-playing games that Mm -hmm. combat encounters always uh, are fight to deaths. And uh, why is that? Maybe Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. So... um, it's it's not a complicated idea. We're going to get into it. But I think it's a cool idea for us to discuss on this because it's it's less vague than some of the episode topics we've done. Like, this is, uh, this is very targeted and very actionable. Like, there's specific things here to do the next time you play. And we don't always do that. Sometimes we talk about, like, abstract ideas and... Yeah, so I think that's fun. We're going to talk about where the idea comes from that, like... Well, where why. we think yeah. it's a thing. Because, yeah, when, we shouldn't say we know. It's just... we didn't do any yeah. research. We just thought about it. Right. But we have experienced it and, like, seen it other places. Sure. Then, so we're going to talk about where we think it comes from. Then we're going to challenge the concept. Like, does it have to be? Spoiler alert. No. Uh, Then we're going to talk about how to change it in your game. Uh, And then a last little thing, we're going to talk about what you might gain from... um, Breaking the status quo. Breaking with this idea. And you might not even know you're doing it. If you're Game Master listening to this, you might have just, like, examined this or, you know, your own game for the first time in this context. And like, oh, yeah, that does always happen. You might not even notice it. Or know that you're doing it. Mm-hmm. But that's why we're talking about it. Hey. All right. So where does always fighting to the death come from? Yeah. Right. Well. We have a couple ideas. Go back to the to the OG. Right? Mm-hmm. It's the old advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Uh, big time war game. Yeah. Very. Um. The, the the oldest iterations of Dungeons and Dragons, the first iterations, had real hardcore wargaming roots, and they they were about fighting monsters, clearing rooms, and getting the loot so that you could go to other ones. Now, that concept these days is probably more familiar to like gamers, video gamers, Mm -hmm. because that's the structure of a lot of roguelikes and a lot of like dungeon crawling video games and stuff like that. There's a lot of focus on just like leveling up and getting to the next challenge, watching the numbers go up. 
and that is right. and not being able to progress yeah. without clearing the without room going, or stage yeah. or screen or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that heavy focus on combat is not always how pen and paper role playing games are these days. There's a lot, especially in like the big live play, you know, podcasts and YouTube shows and stuff. There's a lot of focus on character and narrative. Mm-hmm. But the the foundation of the game back to its, you know, back to its first iterations is a war game, a tactical war game about getting in fights in on little grid squares, on grid paper and shit. Mm-hmm. And you don't really give a shit about making friends because if it's in the dungeon, it needs to be killed. Yeah. And then you leave the dungeon and never come back. And maybe you find something weird in there to talk to or whatever. But, like, that's mainly what, what the concept of it was about. So... It's, I guess, like we could say it's baked in to the yeah. to the D&D, especially, or to the DNA, especially of Dungeons and & Dragons. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, the propagation of video games only just reinforced it because, right, you look at your shooters, those are strictly about killings. Yep. Right? You you pop into a area, mm-hmm. you kill all the people, you all play, the bad guys. You play, know, a Halo, right? And... The really the only way you interact with anything is by shooting aliens, and then you know you drive around and you press X to you know push a button or whatever, and then you go to the next place where you shoot more aliens, and like there's a story going along, but to get to the next part of the story, you have to beat the combat. Mm-hmm. Right? There's no other way to right. progress the story. It's all about something as nuanced as like you know, a standoff or a negotiation that just doesn't occur in most video games. Which makes it, like, it really ingrains the separation between, like, combat and roleplay, mm-hmm. right? So, like, you roleplay when you're not in combat, but once you're in combat... It's combat. It's combat, and roleplay kind of goes out the window. It's not so much, and we've talked a lot about, you know, like, oh, what would your character do? And, like, you know, how would they act in a fight? Like, all of them... Or is every character all about winning the fight? No, because, like, oh, this person's kind of like a pacifist, so maybe they're more of a healer, and they're not about the killings. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, we brought this up before in our podcast, but in general, it seems that if you're not role-playing, you're in combat, and you have to yeah. grind it into the ground. And in video games, which are a lot of people, especially now, there's a lot of people's touchstones for this sort of media before you, you know, go from video games to something more in-depth, pen and paper or whatever. Um, gameplay is combat, and then cutscenes are where mm-hmm. not combat happens, you know. Because right, that's scene, where all the mechanics are, is mm-hmm. in combat. Like, they're all built all into, the... yeah, they're built into the mechanics. The mechanics of the video game only support, really, moving and shooting. So you have to do the storytelling somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And completely separate from combat. I mean, like, even, like, the good RPG, you know, video games, like, you know, Bethesda, for example, they're mm-hmm. known to having really good ones. Good RPGs with, you know, a lot of focus on role-playing, a lot of focus on, like, be who you want to be. Decision-making. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Choices, dialogue, uh, you know, stuff that, like, the way you behave affects the game world or is, you know, nominally supposed to. We could argue about how well certain games do it versus others, but, like, it's it's there. 
and it's meant to be an option for you. And there are lots of non-combat options. Sometimes, you know, there's a conversation and you might get to pick combat. Like, you know, I'm not doing this. And then it'll have in parentheses attack. And that will immediately break you out of the conversation and start a fight with the other character. Or you might say something, not know that it's a trigger for the other character to attack you. And then all of a sudden you're in a fight to the death. Right. And that's the thing. Once combat starts, even in, you know, like Skyrim, which has well-written quests and a lot of things to do besides fighting, once a fight starts... There's not a, there's not really an off ramp from the fight. It's, you know, fight to the death mm. with whatever you're interacting with skeletons, bandits, whoever. Right. So then it kind of becomes like, is it like, you know, nature or nurture kind of deal, right? You know, like human nature. And, you know, we don't have all the data to back this up, but mm-hmm. being men ourselves is, it's, Easy thing to reach for. Yeah, in to, a, to know, reach in for a violence. Game. It's just like, I'm going to kill these guys because I'm tired of dealing with them. Mm-hmm. So we said some reasons, some some other media that like bleeds over and informs why this happens in all the pen and paper games. But also, like, are people, especially boys, maybe a little super inclined to just, like, get in the fight and to carry the fight through to the end. Right, because it can be, you know, sort of like a little power fantasy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like something that you have complete control over, you know, your your game. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's easy to take it to the extremes. It is. And then this last thing, why we think this may be where this comes from, is new game masters, new dungeon masters, especially, like, you know, we're specifically, we're not always specifically talking about Dungeons and Dragons, but in this case we are a lot because it's where a lot of people begin their RPG journey. So people learn the mechanics to run the game for their friends. And because there is a lot to keep track of and a lot to learn and a lot to like compute in your head when you're running, you know, your first couple combat encounters and trying to make the adventure fun for everybody some more nuanced narrative stuff like hey maybe the bad guys would run away instead of stay here until the last one got their last point of hit points beaten out of them you just might not think about that right you get lost in the in the sauce you know mm-hmm. the you're busy tracking everybody's you know movements and abilities and like initiative orders yeah where they are on a board if you're using a board and right so you don't really have a lot of time to think oh when is the natural conclusion of this fight? You're just like, okay, so what do you do next? Okay, you attack, which means mm-hmm. like I'm going to need you to roll this dice and I'm looking at this value. And and you you're know. very wrapped up in the mechanics and referencing your book for like hit points. Maybe you're, you know, getting so in-depth that you're like actually reading the monster manual for, you know, the giant should behave this way in this situation mm-hmm. and, you know, running that and kind of ignoring the fact that like, at a certain point, they probably wouldn't keep fighting. They would right. probably bail. Mm-hmm. Someone will probably bail at some point on one side of the fight. There's that threshold of like, oh, shit, I'm going to die, which, you know, is hard. That's hard to notice in the moment when it wasn't like a, something you really planned for because, like, you don't actually, you know, 
you're not actually in the heat of combat thinking about life and death, you know, it's all just numbers at a certain point. So, like, completely easy to get lost in the sauce. Yeah. And because, you know, if you're a new game master and that happens to you and suddenly, you know, it's two years later and you're the you're the dungeon master for your group, you may have never examined that aspect of it because you get, you know, all stoked. Maybe you switch game systems. Maybe you're writing your own game system. Maybe you're creating your own, you know, setting your own original campaign from scratch and you're getting all fucking lost in that sauce. And you never went back and thought that, like, huh, there's there could be some nuance to the combat system. It doesn't have to always be a fight to the death. And so you never think about it. Mm-hmm. And so every combat is still a fight to the death. Right. So, I mean, there's just a lot of different um, factors leading into this concept. Or, I guess, um, well, you know, the status quo. The Yeah. The conventional wisdom is everything's a fight to the death, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's... That's, Maybe a little bit of human that nature. That seems like the standard. It's, it's a just... little bit of you know nurture from video games. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, what can we what can we do about this? Because we... narratively and realistically, it rarely makes sense just yeah. to have everything be a fight to the death. Mm-hmm. We could start before we get into some of our more specific things. Is just like if you have any mind towards history, it barely happens where yeah. like two armies meet in the field and kill each other until everyone is dead that just that doesn't exist there comes a point where whoever's getting beat either retreats or surrenders Mm. and usually before you even hit half casualties Mm -hmm. it's you know it's unrealistic so let's talk about what is and isn't realistic right here so we had a couple ideas where it actually makes sense to fight to the death here, yeah. right? There's so, not very many, but we think you should know them. Right, yes. So being backed into a corner, right, like trapped in some way, maybe it's environmental, maybe it's, mm-hmm. I don't know, um, you know, emotional, like uh, they got they got my kid, I can't back down, or something like that. Right. Right. Something is going on that adds context to the fight where you have nothing to lose. Yeah. You're on a, you know, you're on a monster hunt and you've, you know, you've backed the manticore into a cave and there is nowhere for it to go. It's going to fight to the death. A wild animal, a monster, whatever, like it'll do that. Or, you know, there's uh, the example we like and we thought of when we were writing this from The Expanse. Like, why are they fighting so hard? Why don't they just you know, bail. Why don't they pull further back? Well, they're at a point where they can't. They can't pull further back either because there's nowhere to go from here or because they're protecting something they can't move. They can't Mm -hmm. take it with them. They can't pull back from whatever the objective is. There is even a little caveat to this, though, where backed into a corner is where you might surrender Mm -hmm. rather than fight to the death. Mm -hmm. Um, But an animal, a monster, or, you know, an enemy group, whatever that may be, that is backed into a corner, they might fight to the death. Mm. We we think that's an appropriate space for it. Yeah. Okay. Another one, uh, we call them true believers, mm-hmm. right? So, like, crazed cultists. Yep. Right? Dedicated bodyguards. Um, the people who, you know, believe so strongly that 
their death is worth something, that they're, you know, wildly uh, risk it. Yeah. You might, um, like, lay siege to a castle, right? And you've brought part of the wall down. Now you're storming the castle. You're going to kill the enemy king. Most people, you know, they're not going to stay and fight to the death, but the king's guard is. They're going to stay there, Mm -hmm. you know, or like the secret service. You're trying to, like, kidnap the president or whatever. There are groups of people in fiction and real life that will, you know, fight to the death because of their commitment to whatever the objective is. Mm -hmm. Right. And, I mean, it depends on the the character, but, like, I would say, like, money is not... This isn't just because they're getting paid. Like an assassin hired to kill a target probably attempts an assassination, and if they fail, they'll try again later or, like, leave the job. They won't be Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, it's all or nothing. I need to keep doing it. Yeah, that's... If you're you're writing, and if you're game mastering, then you're going to be doing a bit of writing. Financial motivation is a bad motivation to fight to the death. Yeah. For most people, yeah. right, you know, and then, then you can be like, well, what if they're backed in the corner where, like, if yeah. they don't complete the assassination, then they're just going to die of starvation. Okay, well, maybe that's in a different circumstance. Yeah. Maybe that's somebody being backed into a right. corner. Or if you're going to have everything you have, including, you know, financial, whatever, mm-hmm. if you're going to have it taken from you, yeah. then maybe, you know. Right. But that goes back to the first thing, yeah. backed into a corner, nothing left to lose type of thing. If you're talking about just like, oh, why is this band of mercenaries fighting literally to the last man well because they're being paid to they probably probably won't. not like if they're zealots of something like maybe they are a mercenary band and part of their reputation is they've never lost a battle mm-hmm. then maybe they kind maybe. of fall because then they're almost more like cultists mm-hmm. they're dedicated yeah. to this uh sort of ethereal idea where they you know this death before dishonor thing Generally speaking, though, that's tough to find. Yeah, and it's rare. Yeah, you're you're not likely. You're much more likely to encounter people who will break and run when the fight goes against them mm-hmm. than you are to find people who so fervently believe in their cause that they will literally let themselves die in mm-hmm. a fight over it. Yeah, and then uh, so the last one we were thinking because this happens way more in fiction than it does in real life. Yeah, right? this one's this one's there's no real real life. Yeah, but right, you got your non-thinking, feeling enemy types, right? So like your robots that are programmed, mm-hmm. do they can't break their programming, yeah. right? The undead, they can't decide. I don't want to do this, right? Yeah, something that can't decide for themselves, right? Like undead or mm-hmm. mind-controlled folks. Yeah, the you know. The skeleton guard or the vampire, they're gonna the they're gonna fight to the last hit point because necromancy. They've you know they've been given they're being compelled. Yeah. But outside of those three things, it it rarely makes sense to fight to the death for a whole group to fight to the death. Yeah. That's not saying now nobody dies. People mm-hmm. die. The fight yeah. starts. A couple right. people die, but. Mm, or like you know the the wild beast you you ambush the wild beast and <laughs> it tries to run away but like yeah you're just overpowering the party's too much there's yeah. too many attacks coming and it dies right you know that's that's different um, that's how a hunt is you know supposed mm-hmm. to go you're supposed to get the yeah you know overwhelming force quickly 
Um, right? Because, like, you know, so predators or, you know, beasts, animals and stuff, like, even when they fight each other, yeah, it nature rarely, like, lets it, like, they never really go in it's there's some accidental deaths or they die of their wounds later mm-hmm. but like you know or like you know two big bears fighting each other they don't kill each other they fight a little bit one bear you know leaves mm-hmm. like, realizes nope. that okay i lost the fight. that one's bigger than me or that one's scarier than me and it goes somewhere else and they divide up territory that way predators behave that way uh, bands of you know raiders, bandits, right, which are you know human predators, right? They they prey yeah. on the weak, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you get you know the caravan gets ambushed by a bunch of bandits. If you show that you're not like a weak target, you kill one or three of them. Yeah, they're probably gonna reassess and be like, hmm. Mm-hmm. If you like your is party is it? caravan guards and one of you is a wizard and can be like, hey. See how I can fill my hands full of fire? You don't want this fight. Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't even bother with the fight in the first place. Because whatever they're going to gain, you know, from attacking, winning the fight that they think they're going to have, it's not as valuable as their own lives. Yeah, And that applies to animals and, uh, I don't know, like thinking, mm-hmm. feeling characters humanoids elves dwarves like if they're if they're alive and thinking they're gonna they're gonna have some consideration of this idea right realistically right yeah you know? um so i'm trying to be as immersion or immersive as possible in our games right you know imitate real life we go for immersion right because you know people retreat and surrender all the time Right? Oh, the plan goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Something happened that fucked up the plan and we're getting hammered. All right, we back off. Yeah. And I guess we're, we're going to talk more about this in a minute here, but a lot of this sounds like we're only describing how the enemies should behave. Mm-hmm. And we kind of are because we're mostly talking to game masters with this uh, with this episode. This is a game master focused idea. Mm-hmm. But it also applies to the players there is no reason for the players to you know stand there and duke it out to the last hit point in most situations the hard thing is going to be making your player party realize that Mm -hmm. right which we're we're talking about later yeah that's coming up um but yeah yeah so you know the the morale of enemies and players are like can can break, and mm. I think that's a good segue. It is into um, uh, morale in uh, in like in tabletop wargaming in in RPGs. Morale is usually the name for this system. Mm. So, right. so this is like how to make changes to your game. Yeah, this right. that's the next section. Maybe of this add a discussion. morale system, and we've seen that before. Implement some sort of morale system. Cyborg, which we played a few weeks ago. Uh, has a really good one and a really simple one, I think. And I think that's why it's good. Mm-hmm. So uh, we got it right here. Why don't we just look at it? Um, in the back of Cyborg, where all of the basic rule stuff is, super, uh, super simple morale system. Um, the morale conditions are set here. They're three, and they're really simple. Roll morale if the leader is down. 
half the group is eliminated. Lone enemy has one-third hit points left. Then you roll 2d6. If any of those three things are met, you roll 2d6. And if you roll over the enemy's morale, all the enemies have a morale stat. That's the only part about mm-hmm. this that I think is complex, superfluous. Um, but then, yeah. So if you roll over it, then you roll another d6, which is basically a d2. 1 to 3, they flee. 4 to 6, they surrender. That super simple mechanic built into the basics of the game ensures that like you're not going to do a fight to the death unless it's supposed mm-hmm. to happen. Because like always as a game master, you can override that. You can be like, no morale. Or the enemies will say, like they don't have a morale system. It's a sentry turret. Sure. Uh, so like, you know, if you wanted to implement a morale system and whatever system you're running doesn't have a morale stat, you know, you could just pick an attribute that they have. Like, uh, you know, willpower is a, is a common one that comes to mind right away. Mm-hmm. Right? So like, oh, I'm just going to set some some uh, morale, like, roll triggers. Like, oh, one-third HP, I roll against their willpower. If I roll over the willpower, they're broken. Yeah. Flee or surrender, whatever. Right. And that, like, having that built into the combat system, I, I think that's why it's good for there to be a little rule system mm-hmm. for it. Because otherwise, this thing that we talked about in the beginning, where game masters, like, they spend so much energy learning how to actually run the combat. They don't think about, like, what is the natural way this combat should actually go. Mm-hmm. And they don't think about it. But if the system says clearly just, like, hey, at this point, sure, roll morale. I mean, good for consistency, too, right? Yeah. That way you're always ruling uh, evenly um, across the board, right? Right. You know, you don't have to be like, oh, what did I do last time? Right? It's right there. Yeah. The The only thing I would say about the cyborg one is I would just cancel having having the stat of morale for every enemy. Because then, from a game design perspective, you have to write that for every enemy. Mm-hmm. And for a game master perspective, you have to go back and check that for every enemy. Or you have to write it down so you can reference it. Yeah. I would have it be a more universal thing, just like have those whatever. But anyway, we have other examples of this to discuss. We're talking about ways to implement stuff like this to change mm-hmm. your game so that not everything is a fight to the death. Right. What's the next one? Well, Forbidden Lands, um, another recent uh, game that we played, uh, goes right along with Cyborg. Um, Forbidden Lands did it differently. So they said in Forbidden Lands that to actually kill like a, a sentient or um, sapient or whatever I don't know whatever the fuck their word yeah, was for whatever they like someone who could also be a player character yeah is essentially the right like the a person off. yeah a person not just a human because there's not only mm-hmm. humans in that world but like to kill another person it required, there is a test it required a fail actually yeah so like you would roll against your own empathy stat. <laughs> And if you failed, you could kill them, but it would also break you. Yeah. Um, it hurts. Which is just interesting. It hurts yeah. your soul to... Right. So, like, every bandit or, you know, chance encounter that brings out the this, the weapons mm-hmm. ends in... Well, ends when, like, that character or, you know, that enemy is broken and, like, they're on the ground pleading for their life. 
that's when the combat is over. Right. You don't actually like, it doesn't kill go to people. Because of the mechanics of broken and the mechanic that makes it mechanically actually hard to kill other people, you essentially have to consider the ideas of morale and like mm. rarely is everything a fight to the rarely is anything a fight to the death in Forbidden yeah. Lands because you have to roll for it to be a fight to the death. To imitate that's a le- little harder, uh, depending on your system. But I think why we brought it up is like that's just an example of one way to do it. Plus, you know, it adds evidence to the fact that uh, some other people are also thinking about this, yeah. you know, topic, and they have also decided that fighting to the death isn't actually that realistic or narratively interesting. It's a lot more interesting. Uh, when fights end early mm-hmm. and end for other reasons than just like they everyone ran out of hit points or one team ran out of hit points before the other team because mm-hmm. when you think about that it's really not a very interesting end to a fight it's like I don't know no but that goes back to like the whole uh you know, the institution, the structure. Right. It's like the players make their characters to win fights, right? Generally. And you want them to... See, well, characters want... Players want their characters. There it is. Mm. Players want their characters to succeed and get, you know, they get that little dopamine when they win something. Mm-hmm. Combat is winning. So, you know, there there it is, baked into the, to the whole... Yeah. You know, the, yeah, the mechanics of the game, which you follow to create your character and to start playing the game, they, yeah, it reinforces this idea. But again, that's what this whole thing mm-hmm. is about. We're trying to, trying to get you it. to take a step back and be like, huh, but what if not? Mm-hmm. And so another one that we've talked about um, on the show as well, uh, Monsters Know What You're Doing. Um, it's written on the D&D monster manual and yeah. really goes in depth I should, to if we're going to bring characters. it up I should actually we should actually cite oh okay you know, well, I mean we have like, cited it before yeah but it's a thing stuff. written by a person yes um, I mean so is Cyborg in Forbidden Lands that's true that was much more recent though that we said yeah and I think we gave that. them due credit yeah uh, okay Keith uh, Keith Amon is the fella's name and they they wrote a long like blog series essentially, which once they had written all of it, they turned it into a book, which you can buy. Um, and it's essentially like a tactical guide. It's based on the D and D monster manual, and it goes through point by point, talks about all the stuff in the monster manual, going more in depth from the the monster description in the monster manual, which is usually. Well, it's usually vague yeah, and like and physical description. Yeah, not super focused on behavior or motivation. So, well, there is some of that, right? Which what Keith does is really hones in on any little tidbit about like motivation and behavior. Yeah, that's in the official mm-hmm. monster manual description and expands on that and like adds insight and inferences and being like, okay, well. It says this in the monster manual, so I think that yeah. would from a very like, like psychology angle, yeah. he's mm-hmm. like, well, in the you know just like NPC section for like whatever, oh town guard or whatever. Well, these guys don't get paid very much. 
you can infer that by the fact that they drop like no gold when you kill them. So it's very unlikely they would stick around for a fight to the death. If a couple of them get hurt, they're probably going to run. And he gets he gets more granular than that. He has like specific thresholds of hit points. Mm-hmm. He has essentially like the cyborg morale system, a set a series of set conditions which triggers certain actions, but for everything in the monster manual. Now, I personally find it a little too granular, but the application of it yeah. is good. I mean, like, we also don't play D&D, so... We all, yeah, so we don't have much use for it. But if you were just interested in, like, huh, what would a what would a djinn do? Mm-hmm. Well, he's thought of it, and he wrote a bunch about it. And it's still useful to just read that stuff. It's like, you know, type of enemies. Like, what are, what are like, you know, weird cave dwellers? How do they act? Right? Yeah. Well, you know, I don't have this specific monster in my game that he talks about, but, like, I, I can see some similarities. Like, oh, yeah, they lurk in the dark, and they, like, you know, they attack from stealth, and if they can't get a kill, then they recede back in the shadows. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, then, you know, I can use that behavior. Yeah. And if you were to pres- per- per- if you were to peruse his work, the thing you'll find consistently is that almost no one sticks around and fights to the death. Unless they're one of the things that we said up in the beginning, like, you know, a skeleton summoned in thrall to a vampire or a necromancer is probably going to fight to the last hit point. Most other things won't. And there are different thresholds at which they'll stop, run, surrender, whatever. But Right. So, you know, a little... So let's pull back a little bit from mm-hmm. thinking about these specific examples. Right. Um, so just thinking about whatever game system you're running and, like, you know, how Consider to... Consider these things. How to change the status quo of always fighting to death, right? You know, first, we like to look at the narrative uh, purpose of the fight. Mm-hmm. Like... Is it just a random encounter to, you know, add danger to the world? Be like, you guys were traveling along the road and monster attack. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, what's the purpose of it? Uh, You know, to add danger. But what's the monster's purpose? Right. The motivation. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Well, they're just, you know, out for food. Well, then that's probably not going to be a fight to death because it's hard to eat something when you're dead. Yeah. So, you know. Consider those things when you put that encounter together. And when the encounter is popping off, mm. just like it probably doesn't it probably doesn't go to the last hit point. Right. Like uh, so the narrative uh, purpose can lead a, or give you a lot of clues to like what is the retreat point? What's the surrender point? Mm-hmm. Like it's to it's to show that whatever's inside the door is worth guarding. Okay, well, they might stick around a little longer than if um, the purpose was to uh, give them a good piece of loot, right? Because right. then the looters that they're fighting just drop it and run mm-hmm. pretty quickly, probably. But you can also then then you can use that once you like uh, once you start thinking of things that way. You know, you can be like, the fight is going on. Maybe you've killed one of these guys, and obviously they're guarding something. Mm-hmm. And another guy takes a wound, and then he goes, he says something like, ah, I'm not getting paid enough for this. 
and then he runs. And you've, you know, you've ended the fight in a more realistic way there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've also, you know, you've also conveyed some information to the players. Now we're out of combat, and they can think about what just happened, why did a fight happen here, like, who are these guys? Mm-hmm. And he just said something. That was, like, that was a clue. So someone paid him to be here. There's something here worth paying paying for. people to guard mm-hmm. or whatever. But it's not worth his life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all of that information... Gets gears turning. Yeah. As Brian would say, gets your brain itchy. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like, thinking about, like, stakes, this goes both ways for game masters and players. You know, now we can talk a little more about how to get players to, you know, leave fights early instead of getting party wiped and stuff, right? So, yeah. like, what what are the stakes of this fight? What happens when you lose the fight, right? Like, oh, we get attacked by bandits. Well, what happens? We just kind of get robbed? Yeah. Well, is that worth dying for? I mean, like, oh, all we got is, like, golden food, and, like, we can just get more of that, yeah. right? Yeah. That's so our like, whole jam. Maybe we like, just say, "All right, take hey, our money. Leave us our weapons. You're welcome mm-hmm. to the to the cart." Right? Maybe it's not fucking worth your time. Right? But if it's like, "Oh man, if we don't kill this evil sorcerer before he unleashes this ancient evil, that's probably going to be a fight to the death." Because it sounds like, you know, the evil sorcerer, their stakes are fail their life's work and evil plan. Yeah. And the player's stakes are unleash an evil upon the land so like that one's probably now we're fighting to the death probably yeah because the fucking stakes those because you can't back down from that right it's the same reason you know two tigers meeting in the woods they're not gonna fight until one of them is dead they're gonna hit each other and yell at each other a little bit and then Mm -hmm. one of them is gonna leave because the other one is tougher because the stakes are your fucking life and you can always go find a different bit of forest. Right. You, you can know? always go bully another weaker tigers. Like mm-hmm. that one's too strong. Well, let me go find a, you know, a wimp. Now this is my forest, but I'm not going to that forest because that's where a big one lives. Mm. The stakes, keep the stakes in mind. Because right, like at the end of the day, fighting to the death can take a lot of time, right? That's where the majority of role playing time always sinks. Yes. Is, is a fight. And so we like, talked about it a lot. Combat is where your fucking time goes. To to spend the time to get those last three hit points, like, the fight is over. Right. The enemy, the monster, the bandits, they're not going to do any more damage to the players. But you're just throwing away minutes of your right. Saturday. like you. And we've said this a lot in the last couple episodes. You only have however many hours. You're throwing away minutes of that when you fight to the last hit point. Because right? it just it just doesn't make any sense. When the fight is over, you can just narratively say that it's over. Yeah. Right. And like that could be like, oh, you land the killing blow. Like, you know, the player's like, I attack. What do you need for my roll? No, 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 no. no. You don't need a roll. Yeah. You got it. This fight is over. You kill the guy. Describe if you want. Mm-hmm. I like you know giving that. How do you kill this guy when it's a foregone conclusion? Let mm-hmm. them, let them have that fantasy. Right. Or like, you know, the guy is, you know, throws up his arms and surrender. So you get a free attack, but he's surrendering. So like, what does your character do? And then, yeah, you can, you know, push some narrative stuff that way. 
right? So it takes a little bit of practice to get, you know, to that point where you're like, okay, the combat is over essentially. All that's left is just to, you know, roll the final blow. Well, maybe we don't do that. Let's transition back into to role playing, right? So like, yeah, making a narrative that the fight is over, even though that like, you know, the fight isn't over. The bad guys are still there, or you know, the bad guys are chasing the good guys. Whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, how do you narratively put an end to it? Right. That can take a little bit of practice. Yeah. It can, and I, I don't know that there's an exact right way to do it. You know, an idea I just had while we're talking about it is like, you know, tell them, okay, so combat is essentially over, but you guys get like one more round. Like, what's your action mm-hmm. for this round? Um, but you're not really limited to like, you're you're no longer limited to your action economy. Just like one yeah. more pass. Like okay, so the the fight is ending. What do you do? Mm-hmm. And sort of like off ramp from combat because they can be more loosey goosey. You don't have to be like, oh, mm-hmm. I swing my sword. Okay, give me a roll plus your right. bonus. You don't have to worry about you, initiative you order. Don't or have to do like that. that stuff. Just like quick quick round the table. What's your like last action? How do you end the fight mm-hmm. as the enemy is breaking? You know, one more from each of you. Right. Uh, you could also use um, terrain um, as like barriers. Like, oh, the the tiger scrabbles up this sheer cliff, mm-hmm. and you guys just watch it in amazement as it disappears over the side. And now he's and gone. gone. And that last bit you got to say. And you know. And now they they're gone. They got away. Mm-hmm. It's too dark. They escaped. Whatever. Because otherwise. And this goes back to this thing where, like, we're not really sure where all of this comes from, but there is a real strong impetus with most players where they're going to try and chase it. Mm -hmm. They're going to try and, like, get them. They want that, like, final moment. And essentially what we're doing here is trying to, like, well, so we're, like, we're challenging game masters to to think of their combat encounters uh, with a little more, like, narrative nuance. It doesn't mm-hmm. always have to be a fight to the death. But also, then, how are you going to break your players of that? Right. Because the impulse also comes from them. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a habit that they're that they're in um, because, you know, they've been habitualized, you know, through video games and all this stuff is giving them feedback that, like, yes, this is how it is. So to break that, it takes a little bit of effort and practice. Um so like you know reinforcement it's like they're gone they're done combat is over you cannot pursue them for this reason or that reason or maybe you know don't even give a reason just be like last actions before we move on yeah you know something like that um because there i think there's a lot to gain from setting up the expect or breaking the expectation that everything's a fight to the death right it's i think it's more interesting story-wise. Uh-huh. And I think it can also be very beneficial for players as well. Yeah. Right? So uh, let's talk about what there is to gain yeah. by so breaking some things. This is This is a little more loosey-goosey because this came after everything else was written. But, okay, so what are some things you might gain from this? If you do this, if you challenge the idea that everything should be a fight to the death, 
and you listen to our cool podcast or you read, you know, some other blogs and books about it and you're like, okay, now I've got some tools to make these changes in my game. Here's some incentive, I guess. Here's some why. Uh, I already said one that like you could use it as a, a narrative delivery tool. You got a couple guards guarding something. Nobody knows what it is on the player's side. Mm-hmm. They get into a little fight over it. Oh, they kill a guy. They hurt another guy. And he's like, I'm not getting paid enough for this. He leaves. Someone's paying them. Something right. is there. They're not just random worth, bandits right, in like the forest. They were put there. They're doing a job. Now there's a bunch of uh, you know, narrative threads for your players to pull out like detectives and get interested in. And the fight concluded in a more realistic way. Mm-hmm. So you gained a little something there. Right. You can also gain, uh, gain freedom for encounter design. Yes. Right? Like you want... You want to attack the players with like a whole like uh, I don't know uh, you know unit of soldiers right right very hard to do if like you think it's all going to be a fight to the death and you're going to war game it mm-hmm. you know meticulously because like you know oh there's there's you got twenty dudes coming at you and you you guys are a group of five right right. If you set up that, like, oh, you don't have to fight to the death every time, right? Okay, so I don't want to deal with that. Does anybody else want to be in an outnumbered fight? No? All right, then we leave. Yeah. Right? Oh, well, then, like, now, like, why did those soldiers come after us? Well, I guess, you know, the king's mad at us. And then, like, you know, some more threads to pull at. Yeah. Right? um, You can also, uh, you, you have freedom for, like, interesting. You said you know, a whole unit of soldiers. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. You know, a whole unit of enemies or like a whole swarm of goblins or whatever. You can have the players fight a lot more bad guys if you've set the precedent. Like, you know, if you kill the goblin chieftain, they're all going to run. Mm-hmm. So you can throw like 30 bad guys at them and run them like a swarm or run them as minions if uh, that's a specific mm-hmm. D&D mechanic that I don't know enough to really get into. But, um, you know, you can run a big fight like that. Like when the Fellowship gets attacked by all the goblins at Balin's tomb. Like, I don't know how many goblins there are. There's a lot. But everyone's killing goblins like crazy. Mm-hmm. And then they kill the big troll and, like, fight it, fight's over. Mm-hmm. Now, actually, in the movie, it looked like they kind of killed everybody who came in that yeah. first wave, but there's more goblins. Right. Maybe they ran away. Maybe you kill the big one, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, shit, they killed the big guy and ran away. You can teach your players something there, and you can, like, you know, really threaten them, but then, you know, pull back at the last second. Right. But it's all, you know, it's also interesting that instance, like, you know, they swarm of goblins, they kill the big guy. Mm-hmm. All the other goblins are now very, like, you know, uh, wary and, like, yeah, sure, there's still, like, a big swarm of goblins around the party, but, like, none of the goblins are actually attacking. Yeah, they're, they're afraid a, to get close now. They're in a holding now, pattern. And... So then it's, like, time to open a open a discussion or, you know. Um, yeah, have a chat with them. Have a chat and be yeah, like. Does anyone speak goblin? Right. Like, hey, so, like, why'd you guys attack us? It's like, oh, you're in our home. Mm-hmm. Oh. Or have, have time to, you know, prepare a return sure. to town yeah. portal spell or whatever, right. you yeah. know. Whatever. It, it, like, point is, it opens it up, and suddenly the narrative is, you know, this wide open branching path mm-hmm. where the players have their pick of 
you know, a bunch of different things rather than how many hit points are left. This doesn't end until one team is at zero. Right. Because then, and like, it's been a while since we talked about uh, the murder hobos, but Mm -hmm. um, it kind of gets away from that cliche if you set up the expectation that you can take prisoners, you can, Mm -hmm. you know, end the combat in something other than death. Right, so like you know, oh, we're gonna, I don't know, do a detective case and instead of going around town killing everybody who like throws a punch, right? Like you know, you beat up some bad guys in an right. alley, and now you don't have the cops on you because like you know, you just gave them some bruises instead of sending them to the morgue. Right. Um, I had one quick idea, and it should have been in this last section, tools to like implement this, but um, I would say it here. I learned it from a Matt Colville video, but I think it's clever because what he said is like, have the bad guys teach it to your players. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, there's a fight, right? And it's a fight that your characters could probably win. But then like one of the bad guys gets a knife to one of the player characters throat, And now you're like, hey, combat is kind of on pause right now. If he wanted to, he could kill you. Mm-hmm. And have them do that, like what you said, open the negotiation. Right, Be like, yeah. hey, throw down your whoa, arms whoa, whoa, whoa. or I'm yeah, or yeah. I'm killing him right here. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the players are, you know, got to be like, okay. Right. Then they're going to have to play a tense situation, but then they're going to remember it and think like, oh, hey. I was something like, we could the do. The game master taught me through the bad guys. That is a tool. Like, not everything has to be a fight to the death. There are tools to get out of fights. Without it becoming a slugfest. Mm-hmm. hmm Because then, you know, if, like, you... The Game Master teaches the players, um, you know, it could avoid... Like, that's how you could avoid a party wipe, right? Like, you... Like, wires got crossed or something, or, like, you know, as a Game Master, you just gave them something way too uh, challenging. You know, like a big fucking Hydra or something. Yeah. And the Hydra's kicking the player's ass. And then all of a sudden, like, if the player, you know, oh, everybody's down, everybody's unconscious, the Hydra leaves, and mm-hmm. it doesn't just, like, eat the shit out of them and whatever, right? They're like, okay, so we should have died, mm-hmm. but we didn't die. Why is that? It's because we played dead, you know, and maybe that's not something they jump to immediately, but, right. like, you know, a better example, somebody could have made a better example. I didn't, because, hell yeah. So hot in here. It is. We're fucking. Woo! Y'all, it's toasty. But anyways, uh, a w- a good opportunity to teach your players that combat doesn't always end in death, and you can kill uh, two birds with one stone. Avoid a party wipe because, like, yeah, you I mean, made a mistake. You don't want that to happen early. Yeah. So like, you can teach them that and avoid the party wipe at the same time. Mm-hmm. Anything else? I got one more thing. All right. Uh, so we talked about how combat, it's always the time sink, right? If you implement one of these, if you implement some sort of morale system and you think about fights narratively, you think about the stakes, you think about their purpose and you start doing this stuff, it becomes, um, it become, it can become a powerful time management tool where, Mm. you know, you're like, ah, shit, we're gonna like, we're gonna run late. Suddenly, you've got a bunch of tools in your back pocket to, like, end a fight, end a session on time, or, you know, end 
a combat encounter sooner than it would otherwise go to so that you can get more out of your you know your time at the table which mm-hmm. as we've said before is a finite resource and you want to you know you want to manage it carefully you don't want to get stuck in a combat that's going to carry over into the next session and you have to like you know remember the initiative order yeah. and remember whose turn is next and start right like that's a very jarring way to go from one session to another with potentially weeks in between mm. gathering which we've talked about before is like you know don't end a com- try not to end a combat in the middle or fuck mm. try not to end a session in the, in middle, the middle of a of combat the, yeah. um there's a there's a tool in your toolbox thing right if, if every you fight, practice this yeah. stuff you've got ways out of that mm. and you'll you'll find that you know you as a game master you're going to start to manage your own time better and sessions will become i say this all the time i accidentally say episodes instead of sessions your sessions will become more like episodes wherein they're you know uh like they're properly timed to the time slot that you have for them Mm -hmm. and they go through their like you know satisfying mini arc self-contained which is part of the larger arc of the whole campaign whatever but this is a tool for you to sharpen that game mastering skill yeah time management it's a time management tool if you master one or more of these morale techniques and make every fight not a fight to the death yeah you can save a lot of time you can have a lot more control over your time as well Mm -hmm. um all right well let's uh let's let's recap real quick so um why is it always a fight to the death um, well, we, we don't talked, know, but here are some ideas. Yeah, we don't really know, but, uh, you know, old school D&D was war gaming, room clearing, mm-hmm. one dungeon after the next. Grid combat with vestigial systems for everything else. Mm-hmm. And video games only just reinforce that idea where, like, you have to kill everything to move on, right? So then it gets, like, just ingrained or maybe uh, reinforced. Human nature gets reinforced. We don't know. Yeah. We're not, you know, scientists and psychologists and whatever. Um, wherever it comes from, it happens. But it happens, right? So challenge the idea because it it's not really realistic, right? Uh, very few uh, situations in real life lead to fights to the death. All uh, right, we talked about a couple, right? Being backed in the corner true believers and like your non-thinking mind-controlled you know drone-ish mm-hmm. enemies robots undead you know these will fight to the death most other things will not or uh, not entirely right yeah but most of the time right you know predators uh raiders which are just human predators right mm-hmm. you know they're looking for easy prey easy even pickings. trained soldiers you know they you retreat you regroup you you don't you don't fight to the last man in every single instance. Battle, right, because that's just stupid. Um, there's a couple games that we mentioned that do this, like Cyborg's got a morale system. Mm-hmm. Um, Forbidden Lands has the coup de gras, which is like uh, you have to fail a roll to yeah. kill somebody. It's like reverse morale. You have to mm-hmm. be you have to be bad in order to yeah. take a life. Right, uh, the monsters know what they're doing. Uh, good book that really dives into psychology of the the monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And humanoid enemies and humanoid, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody. Um, right. So like what you know, the, what's the purpose of the fights? Uh, what's the motivation of the characters involved in the fights? And like what are their stakes? Because there's there's a lot thing there's a lot of things people will walk away from. Yeah. Right? Uh, but there are some things that they won't. Right. Uh, we talked about the idea of time management. We talked about ways to end combat and transition transition back to like narrative role playing. Uh, and then we talked about what are some benefits, what are some positive things you might gain from this if you consider this idea and condition your push players back against to, it and then yeah, start implementing expect. it and condition them. Um, some positive things. Now right. I'll add one last little thing. Maybe your game is that's what it's about. Your game is mm-hmm. about clearing rooms. Your game is about winning fights. And that's all it is. And, you know, it is meant to be action hero fantasy. And if that's the case, good. Good for you. You're like, you've got something that works. Keep you're doing nailing it. it. Do what your players are having fun with and do what you're comfortable with and keep meeting and keep playing and keep having fun. Uh, but this is also some stuff you can consider. Mm-hmm. So that's going to that's gonna do it. For this episode of yep. Two-Headed Game Master. Sure is. Find us on the website at 2HGM.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, first thing you're going to see there is Afterlife, our Apocalypse Fantasy role-playing system, original system, setting, worlds. Very cool. Yep. Uh, there's also links to our Twitter, Patreon. Uh, join our Patreon. We would really appreciate it. And we also, you know, we hang out with our patrons some of them because we already knew them but we do fun stuff on the discord we do live things and we play um this just you know it's all around fun thing fun uh good thing this is a role-playing community Mm -hmm. we do role-playing stuff we like role-playing that's what we like that's what we do uh thank you to the burning saviors for the use of the song pond hill is finest is the intro and outro to our show and we'll see y'all next time see you next time